Welcome to, and now for something completely machinima with coffee this time, caffeinated. I'm Ricky Grove. I'm here with my pals, Tracy Harwood, Damian Valentine, and hi, I'm Phil Rice. Remember him from last I intro. still am. I still am. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're starting uh, our September um, movie reviews. But first, we're going to do just a quick uh, rundown of a little bit of news. Phil, have you got something for us? Yeah, I've been a little paying a little bit more attention to Twitter lately. Um, there's, I kind of went through and took advantage of some of the features in there, lists and communities and that kind of thing, which helps tune the feed to be stuff that's that's you know, that you're, say you're interested in. And so I've gotten a lot of uh, posts fly by my face this week regarding AI uh, and, and the developments there, particularly with, with regard to AI artwork um, and uh, more specifically AI generated video. There is some, it, it's not really leaping forward. You know, like I think the biggest thing was that, uh, uh, whatever the name of the AI generated video, the big one is starts with an R and now I've, I've lost it like an idiot, but uh, runway. What's runway. replay or runway, something like that. runway. Thank you. Replay. Close. Uh, now you can generate instead of 14 second videos, it's like 18 seconds. And like, everyone's just setting off fireworks and just, <laughs> <laughs> just so excited about it. It's like, but um, there are some really incredible things people are are starting to do with it um, on the artistic side of things. You know, I mean, I think ultimately where this thing is going to find its pocket is I think it's going to put the stock video business out of business. You know, because if you can just put in a prompt and have it generate, you know, stock footage of skylines or landscapes or explosions or whatever. Uh, you know, that's 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 the practical application. But there's people that are doing some really interesting uh, artistic stuff with it. And what what I'll try and do is get some links we can put in the the show description here. But uh, yeah, some some really interesting stuff going on. Leonardo uh, dot AI, which is one yeah. of the image generator things. That's my favorite. Um, Me too. I've, I've worked some with Mid Journey, but this this one has a full on app. And it's just a it's just a it's a different point of access to essentially the same technology as mid-journey um, maybe not all the same features but it's wonderful to work with there's all different types of rendering engines that you can pick and uh, I, I like it a lot I'm using it for concept art um, for productions I'm working on um, and it's it's there is still a free version of it so that's probably like the, the looming cloud over all this is eventually none of this is going to be free anymore uh, you can still have free access. It's limited, of course, but limited free access to these tools. I hope it stays that way for a long time. Me too. Uh, but, but, but all of them have a paid upgrade option to either get higher quality renders or faster. You know, you're you're higher in the queue, and there's a lot of people putting money into it, which is great. Um, but if you don't have a you know a budget for that kind of thing, it's it's kind of like if you if you signed up for every possible AI generation tool that that offers a sign up you know chat gpt and leonardo and midjourney it would be like it's kind of like everyone's streaming services profiles nowadays you know you don't just have <laughs> one 
you've got Netflix <laughs> and Hulu and Disney Plus and right, oh, I've right. got this one show on Paramount Plus I've got to see. It's just all that is in such flux right now. The same is true for AI tools. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting to watch. But there's 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 some beautiful stuff being made uh, on the artistic side that uh, maybe doesn't get as much attention as the people who are just in it to figure out how to make a buck. So that's worth keeping an eye on. I'll also mention one other thing because Damien is way too humble to mention it. We were just brainstorming of what's everyone going to mention. And the obvious news is Damien's series hitting a million views. Yeah. Is that what it hey. is, Damien? A million views on the series or is it a million subscribers? Or I know a million's involved, but what's uh, the details on that? It's, um, so what I did is halfway through the book, I edited those individual videos into a, a movie. Um, it's nearly two hours long. That's the right. video that's got a million views. Oh man! Amazing! Congratulations! Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. I'm still not quite sure how to feel about it because it's not something I expected. I just started off as a little test video. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Good. Thank I'm you, Joe. Tracy, I think you had some news, didn't you? Well, I was going to. Well, I was going to sort of mention that we've we've been covering some of the AI tools. For a, for a little while on the blog, um, and I've got about ah, I owe you about thirty updates on different tools that have come out, of which Runway is one that um, lots of folks are using. But I think there are some tools that will enable you to sort of populate them with your own data sets and then generate your own content. Right, I like um, that. Which I think is a, you know I my gut feeling is that's a much better route to go with this stuff. Um, if you've got the right sort of frameworks. Um, but there's everything from, you know, 2D to 3D image, story generation, um, to creating worlds, to creating games, to, you know, creating characters, interactive characters and, and all of that sort of stuff, which I, I, th I think it's just a, a fantastic set of, of developments for anybody that wants to um, uh, to create. And I think you're really just going to have to, do your research and find the tools that work best with whatever workflow you want to develop right. because it's such, you know, as, as Phil said, there's so many different tools. It's such a vast area now. It's really, you make whatever, whatever of it that, that you can, that works for you. But I, I think, it, you know, in our, in our machinima world and from our, from our um, background and, and perspective on this, I think there's one thing I will say, which is that, you know, however, people are trying to sort of say this tool is for that part of the virtual production process. The one thing we've learned over the years is that all these tools conflate that process in order to create new workflows. And I think what we're up against here is this workflow is continually evolving and bits are going to get chopped out and different bits are going to be added in right. over a course of, of a period of time. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think it's whoever's, left standing in the world of AI tool generation and however they converge into either into a, an organization that, you know, because eventually these things will start to be bought out by each other. So whoever's left standing or however you want to use it and whatever new tool sets are, are coming through. I think it's whatever you want to do with it, really. It's well, American, it's a really American, good observation. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's a that's a really good observation, Tracy. Because yeah, th this thing is very much in flux, and yeah. I, I guess a, a cautionary note would be 
uh, don't invest too much into how to do it through one particular tool. Try to, if you're, if you're diving into this and you want to get something out of this, learn as much as you can about the general processes and general knowledge, because yeah, this or that particular vendor, these, these are not going to be around, you know, not all of them. Right. Tracy's right. It's kind of like a, a big battle Royale right now. And a lot of these are going to get absorbed and merged and just plum taken away. Yep. So yeah, it, it, general knowledge is what going to be what's valuable. General knowledge about interacting with some an engine like ChatGPT, just learning how prompting works. That is that is a major major skill set going forward um, for this for this century. Uh, I I think that uh, written communication it already was one of the most important tools for a job skill set in in the world it's going to become even more important because the people who are really getting the most out of these things are not the ones who are the most let's say talented digital artists they are the best communicators mm -hmm. they know how to communicate to these ais to get a result out of it and there's a whole there's a whole industry of that cropping up of people selling, hey, I've discovered these prompts and they're selling them as bundles. Those are all over the place. Yeah, yeah. My advice would be learn that skill yourself um, rather than buying these, you know, packets of, uh, the, you know, prompting what works is going to, is continually changing. What worked a year ago in the older version of ChatGPT is not effective in ChatGPT4, for example. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that general knowledge and it's, the knowledge base really is about communication, is about word choice, and and whether you're working with your own uh, private model, which is really technically challenging to do right now, by the way. That's not always going to be that way. But if you're going to set up your own model and feed it with your own stuff, there's a lot of technical expertise required for that. Um, I don't think that'll always be the case. Someone's going to, someone's going to windows this thing, you know, and, and take instead of having to type at a command prompt, like in the days of DOS, Bill Gates or whoever comes along and creates this user interface and all of a sudden, boom, it's accessible to the entire world with a much lower technical knowledge set required. That's right. what's gonna happen with AI, but the more you can learn about how it works and how to interact with it, I think the, the more valuable it's gonna right. be. In almost every job in every industry, it's going to be involved in some way. Yeah, well, American business has always uh, had a nose for money. And when profit pops up in a new technology, they run like crazy to invest. So I think it's going to be driven primarily by that. And you're right. However, there's a looming um, colossus, and that's the legal decision upon whether what's uh, copyright and what isn't. Now, the there was a ruling this last week by about the Library of Congress, because it was Library of Congress said that they couldn't um, copyright a particular AI generated art. And the man who generated it uh, appealed and that appeal was decided in favor of the Library of Congress. So at this point, AI generated art cannot be copyrighted. Not 100%, there are some, there are some exceptions that are carved out, so it's not absolute, but that's the first step. The big step is going to be whether it's a violation of artists' copyright to use it in the database, which I'm not sure it is, but 
we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. And that's going to be a big thing. Personally, I am not really good at prompts, and I don't like long, elaborate prompts because it's like talking to Spock. You have to make everything literal, you know. You can't assume that Spock knows the context of what you're talking about, so you have to say every single thing. So I've been playing with uh, uh, Stability Doodle, which you do a sketch, and then you do a simple prompt and then choose the way, the form you want it to come out in, uh, anime, cartoon, photography, 3D model, low-res model. And I've been experimenting with that on my iPad because it only takes one or two minutes to come up with just something off, you know, off the top of your head. Uh, a hand rising up out of a lake with the fingers in flames you know and then you draw a little stupid illustration of that and then it does it and you it it iterates three different versions of it and you choose the one you want and i have really been enjoying it I, it's really I, good at it it's the, the AI it is. exceptionally good yeah yeah it's and i even play with. i even tried some abstract art meaning lines and prisms and circles and things like that and then saying abstract art blah 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 and that's come come out interesting now the last thing i want to say is that i think the application for machinima relating this to machinima is good because for one thing um there's a workflow using something like real illusions character creator you can do backgrounds create the backgrounds ai generated and then use the character just you got to make sure you blend them composite them correctly um, you can also get ideas for characters by running AI generated prompts and coming up with interesting characters and then using that as a basis to design them in character creator. So there's a lot of application for machinima, especially those who want to do creative stuff. Uh, but it is fascinating and I'm, I'm really, really interested to see how the future goes with it. Now, I have one last piece of information I want to give you. You know, I'm just impassioned about uh, Elden Ring. Well, there's a mod that was just released by a team that did a mod for Dark Souls 3, which is part of the From Software series that led up to Elden Ring. And it's called the Convergence Mod. And it takes Elden Ring and it fixes a lot of quality of life stuff. For example, one of the things you have to do in the vanilla version of Elden Ring is when you, you're out gathering materials in order to craft things that you can use. Well, whenever you see something, you have to go up, click a button to collect it. Well, in the mod, it automatically picks them up. So it, it saves you time. It's created 27 new starting classes with about a hundred new spells and about 10 new uh, bosses to play completely reoriented certain areas that were sticky and goofy and i'm loving it i'm about three quarters of the way of a playthrough now and i'm loving it so we'll put a link to the um uh to the free download right now because it's alpha uh, and it's not that hard. I was worried that because it, the Elden Ring is through Steam, right? And Steam has a pretty strong policy about using mods. However, if you go offline, you can install the mod and play offline and there's no problem. If you want to go back online, it's all you have to do is delete the folder. That's it. 
you don't have to do anything else and you can go back online. So it's not a real danger to play it. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so that's our little bit of news today. Hope I've you liked it. As well. Hey, you told me you didn't have anything, dude. <laughs> I said the Ghostbusters thing. All right, go ahead. So a friend of mine is really into the old Ghostbusters films, and he's really excited because they're making a new one. And he posted this video um, on Facebook uh, a couple of weeks ago. And what they're doing is because uh, emptying the streets so they can use it, it, streets of New York, so they can use it for filming purposes is very expensive and time consuming. And if you want it to be the certain time of day, you've only got a very limited amount of time to do it. What they've been doing is they, they've been turning to Unreal and the uh, real-time animation to do all those kind of street shots. So they, they released this test video of the Ghostbusters car navigating through busy New York streets. And you've got the, <laughs> the Marshmallow Man's there, and it, basically the car goes up and flies to the Marshmallow Man who explodes, and that's their test video. And they released it for the public to have a look at. And the second half of this video is showing how they made it. So they start talking about Unreal, and they've got a guy in a motion capture suit, which is its not one of those ones with balls on that you'd expect anymore. It's like the ones that people have for their home kits that we've been seeing yeah, in the Unreal yeah. videos. Um, so they had a guy like that, and he was doing the Marshmallow Man stuff, and then he was, I think he was doing some of the pedestrian stuff. And I think what they were using, they didn't specify it, because obviously there's copyright issues there, but I think they were using the Matrix City that we were uh, that Tracy oh, yeah. was talking about. So they used that as the environment. They put modded it with the Ghostbusters car in. And even though what they released is just the test version of it, they're using this technology to produce the actual footage in this film, which is going to be released sometime next year. So I'm excited to yeah. see, um, about it. And uh, when my friend posted, I left a comment saying, this is what I do for As the Empire, except they've got more money. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yes, true. <laughs> oh, that's great. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. That's it. I'm okay. done now. So so we're all done, right? And I can move on. Yeah. Great. So uh, this is the first of a series of review, movie reviews that we generally do. And we're going to start off with my pick. Um, pref to preface my pick, one of the signal events in my life in terms of my creative um the, the way I think about creative things and how to create them was the original Twin Peaks TV series. Um, I was a young actor, relatively young in my early 30s in Hollywood, and I had made friends with a screenwriter named Robin Green, who went on to, who was a very famous writer for Rolling Stone, by the way, I didn't know that when I met her, and went on to write for The Sopranos, one of the lead writers in that. And we had become friends and we watched every episode. I think it was Friday night. We would get together Friday night, get a pizza or something and watch the episode. And it was just mind bending. Um, the creativity and the combination of satire and black humor and just sheer strangeness was, I had never seen anything like it on television ever before. So while I was uh, going through searching for something to pick this week, I came across a demo video of uh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks Into the Dark. And it's a, a game version of it, somewhat of a low poly version of it put together. And I just think it is 
terrific. Now, it's not a complete story. It's a it's a advertisement in a way that shows what you can do in the game. Um, there's a it, it's it, the thing that's most that I like most about it is that it captures the the feeling of that sense of strangeness and, and ominousness that you get. It leaves you with a feeling. And doing that, I can forgive any technical things. Like, for example, it has sort of an old fashioned thing of where uh, the, you you play the character uh, like uh, Cooper and you go and you talk to somebody and then the dialogue is in a little bottom portion of the screen, the bottom quarter of the screen. And it has the original person's from the TV series image on it, which I thought was a mistake. I think they should have used the image from the game rather than the original series, but a tiny little thing. And sometimes the the graphics are poor in places and it makes it hard to, to you, you pop out of believing what's going on. But overall, I enjoyed it immensely. I hate to say, but I've forgotten who made it. You remember? I'm sure you know Tracy. Blue Rose Team. Blue Rose Team. Blue Rose well, Team. it's a free game. Uh, the demo is out now. You can uh, download the demo. We'll have a link to it. Um, I can't wait to play it. I will actually take time off from Elden Ring to do it. So that's how serious. That's how serious I am <laughs> about this game. Who are you, and what have you done with Ricky? I don't. I don't know. Um, so, hey, what are your what are your thoughts about this? I enjoyed this for a lot of the same reasons you did, Ricky. Um, my first exposure to the Twin Peaks universe was actually the uh, uh, the movie, the first movie, uh, Fire uh, Walk with Me. Fire Walk with Me. Yeah, I had I had never seen the TV show when it was on, but a friend of mine in college introduced me to the movie, and it had had the same effect on me that I think the TV show did on you. It's just like, I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is weird. And of course, then it, then we'd go down a whole Lynch rabbit hole, you know, then the right, next right. like this, you got to see blue velvet. And then it's like, what? what? Like a whole <laughs> new level of weird. Right. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, and yeah, this, this, this demo. And I, I assume the game too. Well, it, it does. It captures that distinctly David Lynch strangeness that kind of just, it kind of gives you the creeps, but not in the same way that like a, a really effective horror movie might, uh -huh. you know, it's different. It's, it's, <clears throat> it, it, it makes your hair stand on in at points uh, that, you know, I'm talking about just twin peaks in general, but you also like you, I'm, I'm riveted by it. Like I can't take my eyes off the screen because I, I have no idea what's going to happen next. There's not many movies or TV shows or, you know, visual stories that can do that to someone who's watched a lot of them, you know, it's hard to surprise us. We're jaded by the very experience of having watched so many movies. And yeah, this, this world that he's created is a very unpredictable universe. Um, I like the retro look. I'm kind of partial to it. it. It, the, the low poly look reminds me a little bit of like quake two or that era, which is where I really, really got into gaming uh, heavier than ever. Um, it's interesting, though, because there are elements of this. It reminds me a little bit of a game, uh, a, a, a demo for a game or a movie made in a game, Ricky, that you picked maybe about a year ago that was deliberately retro looking. Mm. It was uh, this guy was flying a spacecraft through uh, some 
very low poly universe while talking about something that had happened with his, his wife's girlfriend. new boyfriend or yeah, something <laughs> oh, yes. like that. Right. That was so good. <laughs> and that too had a sense of, okay, this is sculpted to look retro, but there's things in it that it's like, well, wow, a retro game couldn't do that. And the thing that stood out to me with this was the character animation. The character animation is very precise. The feet, there's no sliding of feet on the floor, which is was very common. We didn't even think about it in in the late '90s. Um, the, the the movements are very, you know, that 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 was clearly done with modern tools, and yet it's this blocky, almost half life look to to some of the characters. Uh, right. But I like that. I don't. I, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think there's more of a taste out there for that than people think. They 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 assume that it's only old fogies like me and Ricky that that will relate to that. But I don't know. You look at a game like, uh, of course, I've found an excuse to bring it up again, but Project Zomboid, which looks like an early version of The Sims 1 graphics. Mm -hmm. It's still being actively developed today. It's got this huge fan base, people playing it. And it's not because it's pretty. It's not a pretty looking game at all. So... And there's all kinds of indie games like that that are out there that are not going for cinematic realism. And yet, because the gameplay is engaging enough, it's finding its audience. So um, I, I think this this game's got a good chance of doing really well. And uh, I don't know. I may I may I may pick up the game just just I want to see more of this. It's oh it's, cool. It's very. It's Tracy mentioned before the show that there's a there's a nostalgia thread that runs through some of that and that's definitely true for this one but not in a cheesy way but just those just those iconic red curtains in the room and stuff it's just and the 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 weird jaggedy floor it's in the thumbnail yeah, too yeah yeah uh it just takes me back to that these unforgettable first time i've ever seen someone do that type of scenes literally that, that twin peaks delivered you know the whole backwards thing was just brilliant and uh you know, it's been imitated so often now that sometimes people forget where that came from. But when he did it, nobody had ever done that. Yep. It was it was creepy and it was weird. And it was in the era of when backmasking was all the all the satanic rumors about backmasking were at their peak. And here he uses it in this artistic way and leverages that creepiness that the culture has infused all of us with when hearing that backmask talk. Oh, it's just just wonderful. That's just one example. So, um, and of course, Kyle McLaughlin's character, um, he was just, just brilliantly weird in that story. And uh, ah, too many things to name. I could go on for an hour, but yeah, yeah I loved yeah. it. I'm glad you picked this. I didn't, I didn't know about this game and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you let us know about it. Cool. I'm going to boy, boy. Well, do you want me to go or do you want to go? Sure. Uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm me yeah yes you tracy sure oh um i have to say in the 90s i was steeped in worky stuff and this whole thing passed me by so i've come at this with um not the same nostalgia for it that you guys have and certainly not the experience of it in fact i've never even watched this uh the original twin peaks so so i come at this with a clean slate so bear with me i okay. had to do, i had to do the background side of this as well so, well, it makes sense, Tracy, because I think this is one of the only television shows in the last 40 years that wasn't first made on BBC television and then America copied it. 
This one origi- actually originated <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> it did originate oh, in the 1900s. Why well, you wouldn't have seen it? Yeah. Well, I did. I, well, I was actually in the states during that period of time. However, anyway, oh, okay. 1990s it was launched. 1990, as far as I can see, classic TV series by Mark Frost and David Lynch. Originally premiered in 1990, so it's pretty old. Um, it's been um, designed though as an early. Um, Sony PlayStation One game, this kind of what they call this fat fat controller thing. Um, so it was designed for the, or or in theory, designed to be played with that DVD player, which wasn't ironically actually launched until the mid 1990s. I think it was launched in December '94. So you've got the homage to the series, but for a for a, a retro gaming period that was a little bit later. Now. I don't know about the films or not not I don't know what the dates of the films were, but so there's that sort of It was early nineties. It's early nineties. Yeah. So so it's all about the same sort of time. But the but the game um PlayStation was a little bit later. Um and these guys they it's been created by a guy called Lucas Guibert and uh, Jean Manzoni, who are French game developers um behind this indie studio Blue Rose team. And they're based in Montpellier and Toulouse. Um, now, Jean has previously worked for DigixArt uh, and has produced um, or has been on the production team for uh, a game called Road 96, which launched a couple of years ago. And it has a kind of similar retro-ish kind of adventure style to it as you've, as you've got in this, I think. Um, and the, 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 the Blue Rose team basically said that they've created this entirely in their spare time, having grown up being hugely influenced by the 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 Twin Peaks series, as clearly lots of folks have been. Um, it's a full game that's in development. And as I understand it, um, their intention is to release it as, uh, as, as a free game um, and as an unofficial tribute to the original series. So not the films, I think, um, but, the, but the series. And obviously a, a style of it is this sort of um, survival horror game reminiscent of Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Uh, and and as I understand, it also includes a lot of footage from the show, which um, which is interesting hmm. um, because quite a few of the folks that I found reviewing it are purposefully not including screen caps of the content of this demo in their reviews. Um, now, this first demo apparently covers the events of the uh, Special Agent Cooper and his arrival at Twin Peaks and his first encounter with uh the Laura Palmer and the and the Black Lodge. So it's that kind of part of the the beginning part of it. Uh, and it, as I understand it, it's been designed to specifically recreate the unique atmosphere of the show from from the the various sort of comments. And I and you know from those I think what what you can see is that for many people it appears to achieve what it's set out to do. But what's interesting here is that it's been primarily promoted by word of mouth online. Um you know, a couple of French creators hitting an American uh, market, primarily from what I can see of it. Uh, and it's been picked up already by such um, game review sites as Polygon and, and also the horror games community, which is huge. And I'm sure, Ricky, that's one that you're tapped into as well yeah. uh, with, with Lisa and whatnot. Um, and so far, as I understand it, it's been downloaded around 11,000 times, um, only having been launched a couple of weeks ago, literally, as we sit here and talk about That's it. That's great. Which is astonishing, I think. And some of the reviews of it have been viewed in the 
in the tens of thousands of times. So 20, wow. 30, 40,000 times. So it's obviously tapped into a really big um, uh, market for it, for its um, interest, I suppose. Um, I have to say, I'm a little surprised that it has got such a large audience, given that I think what it is, is it's kind of a quite niche conflation of these two markets, really. One for these 1990s TV show and the other for the PSX game. So it's clearly tapping into some some form of nostalgic community that transcends different fan-based content. Like like you said, Phil, you know, it, it was reminiscent of Quake 2 for you as well. Um, now, I saw that due to its popularity, they've been asked to um, stream a live play uh, through for it for, for their various fans. But what they've said is it's likely to be a problem because they've used both the music of Angela, is it Badalamenti? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And, and Julie, Cruz, uh-huh. Julie, right. Julie Cruz's voice um, from the original series, which they explain is absolutely endemic to, to their creation in, in the game format that they've done. Uh, and therefore, what they're saying is that they're unsure how the streaming service is going to deal with the IP issues. And I guess that's always going to be one of the challenges with this kind of project. And it's clearly something that others have picked up on too. And that's probably why some of the, the folks, the big, you know, the, the bigger named folks that are reviewing this are also not including specific screen caps from the gameplay in or the film or the or the TV series in their reviews of it, which I do think is a very interesting thing. However, I think what it's doing is something different. It's clearly an example of transformative use of the material. And we've seen, you know, we've covered, I certainly covered on the blog, some of the issues to do with transformative use of content and how that's acceptable to, a, you know, un, under um, copyright law. So I think they're probably being the clear with this, con, you know, considering that they can claim this kind of transformative use. As I said, I never really got into Twin Peaks. I, I remember hearing various sort of folks talk about it, but I never have watched it at all. It's It's a horror genre. It's never been something that's ticked any of my boxes in in, in any way at all, really. Um, beyond the sort of the early Hammer Hammer stuff in the nineteen seventies, I didn't get much beyond that sort of stuff. And Alien totally freaked me out. So uh, that's you know this is this was not would not be something I would choose to go and sit and watch. Um, but what you've got in this and the way that this is presented is is really what I would say is all the nineties feels. Um, uh, in in its presentation, the screen size, which kind of intriguingly uh, changes throughout the video presentation in this in this um, trailer for it, um, the the you know the pixelation, the character movement, which are all on point, I think, for the dated aesthetic that um, it, you know is, is is clearly being aimed at here, um, and 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 to give you an example of that kind of uh, aesthetic, do you remember the the bit where um, Laura Palmer's hair is be is is being or you know it's, it's sort of laid out at the back of her head on this on this uh, gurney or whatever mm-hmm. um and her hair is actually part of the sheet because of course in those days they didn't have meshes so you know sort of that and various kind of low poly assets and and the text on the screen and the way that you can kind of move through it are all on point for <clears throat> you know <clears throat> creating recreating the feeling of a 90s game um 
I think it's been described in the in the various media channels that have picked up on it uh, as the game the show should have made but never did, despite the fact that the show was apparently in that show has also inspired numerous other games I think, including ones called um, Deadly Premonition, Alan Wake, and Kentucky Route Zero. I don't know if you've ever yeah played yeah the yet. last two I've I've played and okay. yeah that's definitely true. Okay, and then of course the music in the video is from the show, but beyond that, I'm afraid I kind of struggle to to comment. It's dated looking, it's retro style is clearly appealing to this target audience, and I suspect it's absolutely tapping into a, a you know a core of of uh, of fans that are very much um, demanding this kind of content. And I think it's that retro movement that's so fascinating in, in terms of what you're showing us here ricky is it's a it's a great pick from that point of view another mm. one and it feels absolutely right with the other one as well that kind of retro pick um re re retro um game style is seems to be very fashionable at the moment for whatever reason and maybe it's because what we've got is a generation of people that have reached a certain age when they're looking for you know some some things that take them back to some things that they knew that the current generation perhaps doesn't know so well. So that, you know, they may be looking for some bragging rights or something against a, a generation that's soaring away with TikTok about which we know next to nothing. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think from that point of view, we're probably likely to see a whole load more of these kinds of transformations. And that kind of led me to think, well, what other kinds of, dated tv shows particularly tv shows might we see this kind of treatment being given to and then i was thinking well you know haven't seen much made with mash or with dad's army or indeed with those horror hammer horror spectaculars that that we all remember so i guess we've got a way to go with this kind of thing in terms of uh the future of retro style um content such as this anyway so you you think a person who has never seen Twin Peaks and doesn't know anything about David Lynch wouldn't find this, they would find this uninteresting? Well, I didn't understand what was going on. I have to watch I had to watch a few little video video clips of the early parts of Twin Peaks to even get a handle on what was going on in the video. I didn't understand what that was. I uh, see. I knew what the well, <laughs> Let me let me let me make that easier for you, Tracy. If you, were, if you were to sit down and watch Twin Peaks, you wouldn't know what was going on either. Well, that's, <laughs> that's part of its charm, I think. Yeah, but it's, to be shocked so and, and horrified, so, I don't think, yeah, you yeah. know, that's the sort of bit that it, that it probably doesn't cut it for me. But I watched all of it and I'm still not 100% sure I know what's going on. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, like Ricky said, it's mind bending. It really yeah. is. Um, a couple things uh, came to my mind when you were, uh, covering stuff there one is it makes me wonder if they've got that much uh ip from you know first of all the battle of menti soundtrack is definitely a copyrighted work uh the tv show itself the 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 networks and creators of that are very protective of that ip so it makes me wonder well what arrangement did they make to to be able to include it in the game at all they because haven't. that is a much more even if it's smaller scale that's a much more egregious copyright situation to include the actual files for the music and these video clips and distribute it for money they had to have made some kind of arrangement for that 
So they it's haven't. very interesting that that what's that? They haven't. Uh, not and they and they openly say that they haven't. There is no uno- there is no official relationship whatsoever between what they have created here and Oof. the original. So I, you know, they could be. Boy, honest. that's a gamble. You know, mm, yeah. It could it could be that the only reason the game is allowed to be is because it's the right or wrong person hasn't noticed yet. That's very scary. I would think. Well, I for how much they've invested into development of this, and I think you know when you're talking about tens of thousands of people downloading it and promoting it, you know it's not going to be long before. Yeah, of course. Right, download it while you can, and they very well may go. Like for example, if it's completely up to David Lynch himself, it would not shock me at all at all if he just said, "Great," you know, but usually. The, the the creator and writer isn't the one making those calls. It's somebody at a desk somewhere in a legal department. So right, I, right. I certainly hope for the best form on that. The other thing that I thought about too was this this question of the appeal of of these retro games. Um, it is an interesting one. Uh, you know how 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 in the world do we explain the persistence of a game like Minecraft? You know, which was built with a very deliberate primitive look, even when it was built. And that's what way more than a decade ago, and it's still one of the most popular games in the world. You've got uh, th- there's so many others, and what I can't help but wonder is if any of the reason for there being a market for that is economics related. In that, you know, people who are let's say firmly middle class can afford. The latest Nvidia card to play Elden Ring or the latest Rockstar Games thing or whatever, but there's a whole lot of people who don't have those kind of resources who are still using older computers or just can't you know can only afford inexpensive computers and those can run Roblox and Minecraft and Project Zomboid and probably this. So I can't help but wonder if if that's a part of it is is that there's a whole segment of the gaming community let's say that if all games were at elden ring level there would be far fewer gamers Mm. you know because it requires a graphics card that well i think nowadays you can get for several hundred dollars but when when there was the nvidia crisis it was well over a thousand just for the card yeah and then you've got probably another 800 to a thousand for the pc to support that card and uh so I, I I wonder, it'd be interesting to see a demographic study of, because not everywhere in the world, I think it's mostly in the West where there's a significant audience of people who have that kind of disposable income, like me, like you, like like us. But there's a lot of people uh, who wouldn't, let's say, qualify for that in terms of being able to afford that hardware. And these games are appealing for them because it can run on. I mean, right? This and Minecraft and Roblox, it can run on anything. It can run on X Windows XP machines with old Intel pre-core processors. You know, it's it's amazing. So, yeah, I wonder if that's part of it. You also make me think that perhaps another reason why it's be it's appealing um, is that it's story based instead of fighting based. Mm. A lot of very triple a games are all about fighting get your sword get your gun get your ray gun get your 
your device, your tank, whatever, and fight. Well, maybe I think there's a lot of people who are just not interested in that and they want to follow a story. And uh, this demo is not about fighting. It's about trying to unravel this strange murder mystery. Um, and that may be part of the appeal as well. I agree. Yeah. 80s and 90s, a lot of games were much more emphasis on story. I mean, there was a whole genre in the 80s, interactive fiction, which was just yes. text. And it was some of the richest storytelling you can imagine. It was like being in, being slipped into a novel. It was wonderful. And uh, yeah, the 90s, same thing. It, the whole adventure game genre was huge. Yeah. King's it's Quest and things like that. It, it, it's, it made PC gaming stand out from, if you go to the coin arcade. The coin arcade was a lot right. of shoot 'em ups and right, kind of right. mindless moving of pixels. You could get that there, but the PC could do something that's that engages you on an intellectual level. Yeah. And yeah, you're right, Ricky. That's that's evolved and changed over the years. Maybe frankly, id Software is probably responsible for a large part of that. Right. I don't think any one of their games has a decent story to it. It's really just about how to blow crap up. Mindless so, shooting yeah. and killing. Which I is remember fun, but doesn't scratch the same itch yeah. as something like this. I remember Mist was the first oh, game yeah. that I had Huge. played that was based on eerie atmospheres and and games and puzzles and odd characters and making moral choices and everything. So I think that's part of the appeal as well. Yeah. Damien, uh, why don't you close us out with your comments on uh, the Twin Peaks demo? I've got to try and follow all of this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was actually quite entertained by your timing of this because uh, recently I mentioned to, well, one of my friends was talking about um, the show Twin Peaks and I said, well, I haven't actually seen it. So she insisted that I have to watch it. So we're three episodes into it. So it's given me enough to get a feel for <laughs> the series. Oh my God, you're pure. It's, it's so like, you know exactly what's going on now, right? Yeah. I got it's all the like, answers. <laughs> you remember in Alice in Wonderland before she goes into the down the rabbit hole? Yeah. You're you're before you go down the rabbit hole. Good. So I'm looking I can't forward, wait. I'm looking forward to this journey. And it's already getting a little bit weird. But she did warn me it gets really it goes really far. Oh from boy, what oh boy. Here. But just those three episodes kind of gave me a feel for what's going on here in this video. Um, so I understood th the context a little bit. And when I watched, I thought, this is someone who's obviously a fan of the TV show and was a fan of sort of mid-90s video games and decided to make um, <clears throat> a trailer, a fake trailer for a, a game that doesn't exist. So I didn't realize until after I watched it, no, they've actually made the game as well. Because um, I, I thought, well, it kind of makes sense because if they were going to make a video game based on the show, it, it would be when the show launched, it'd be several years later because you've got the development time, but also the time for the series to really take off and gain popularity and take for as someone say, let's make a video game out of this. So I felt like that was that was right. Um and the retro style works with that feeling. And I did like going back to that retro style of video game as well. It, it kind of brought back memories of other games I've played around then. And you know, we've been talking about the appeal of these retro style graphics games as far as it is just the nostalgia of it is and because the bits are missing because the graphical quality is not there he kind of encourages you to use your animation your imagination ah, to fill in the gaps good point 
um you get some really stunning looking video games now but everything's done for you there's nothing wrong with that it looks great and it's really fun to watch and all that but sometimes if you have the bits missing it forces you to imagine the rest of it yourself and i think there's an appeal for that as well because it it, it's good exercise for the brain in a a way um and i think that's part of the appeal for it I, i certainly play a lot of retro games because of that um and I think this this kind of works with that as well. I mean, if they wanted to, I'm sure they could have made photorealistic characters that look exactly like the actors from the show. Right. And all the environments would be photorealistic. You you feel like they're really there. Or um, if they really put their love into, into it, they could have people thinking, is this lost footage from the TV show that was never shown? Uh, but no, they went for the retro style. I think that's a good choice because it works really well for all of this. So it's a good pick. That's great. Thank you. Well, I urge anybody who hasn't seen the original Twin Peaks TV series to do so. It is quite uh, an experience, even today. There have been a season two and then recently released, recently, the last two years ago, season three, which David Lynch jumped back in and directed all the episodes. So season two is not so hot because it had multiple directors. Season three was all David Lynch and it goes right back to the strange and eerie stuff that you had in the uh, uh, season one. In fact, there's one episode of it that has an atomic explosion that was recreated as part of the, uh, the episode that was just absolutely mind boggling. So we'll have a link to where you can find out about it and also a link to the demo. If you have comments about uh, the machinima that we picked this week, the Twin Peaks Into the Dark, uh, please let us know at talk at completelymachinima.com. Check our blog that Tracy has been maintaining religiously, and thank you for that, um, at completelymachinima.com. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for watching. We'll be back next week with uh, Phil's pick, which is really, really good. So stick with us uh, for next week, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.